Hi, I'm Caroline Whitaker, and I'm a senior at Cal State Fullerton, and you're listening to From the Heart. All right, Caroline, it's good to see you this morning. Thanks for taking the time to be here. It looks like you're uh, quarantined in some small room, just like I am. <laughs> yep, the usual <laughs> Monday to Friday grind. <laughs> yeah. Do you even know what day of the week it is anymore? Only because I have a midterm on Monday. So oh, I'm very go. like, today is th no, today's Friday. I was about to say today's Thursday. <laughs> see? Prove my point right there. Yeah, absolutely. I guess college students would know that a little bit more because, yeah, your schedule is a little bit more regimented than maybe mine. You have the same classes Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday, what have you. We don't, I have like the same staff call every Thursday at four. And yeah. that's really, and then maybe Bible study on Tuesday nights. And those really the only two days that I, okay, it must be that day. But everything else is, uh, is, is very much off. So Caroline, as you heard, is a senior at Cal State Fullerton. She was um, like many hundreds of thousands, if not millions of students around the country thinking that this spring semester of 2020 was going to be just like any other, except it was going to end in graduation, which is very exciting. Um, and then we all got the news that we all got in March that we we're all going to be going home. And then the really the first news that I received as a staff member at Cal State Fullerton was that classes were going to be going online for a time. And at that time, we all thought, you know, a couple of weeks, maybe, you know, and it was right at spring break. So my first thought, Caroline, and maybe you had this thought too, was, well, we'll go a week of online, then we have spring break and we'll figure it all out and then we'll be back. Did you have any of that thought at all at first? Or did you get a feeling that, okay, this is going to be a while? I was like, I was pretty sure it was going to be a while, at least that semester, because I like, I keep like, I don't have many friends. Like I have a lot of acquaintances or like close friends. I have two and one goes to Berkeley and Berkeley was one of those first schools that was like, all right, we're shut down. Everything's done. So as soon as she got sent, which was about a week before us, and they said it was for the whole semester, I was like, okay, Cal State Fullerton's going to do the same. And with the, um, there was like a, can't think of the word like what you sign to uh, a petition oh, so there's yeah. a petition going around and like the reddit for cal state fullerton and all the students were like we want online school so i was like okay there's we're probably going for a while <laughs> so are you enjoying that i mean did you how has the transition been for you going from everything's in person to suddenly overnight we're now doing everything right here in front of our computer at first, I was like, oh, yes, like I was really excited to have online school. My friends were going to be back home and I was like, classes are going to be so easy. This is going to be a breeze. If it ended like right when the semester ended, I probably would have been OK with it. But how long it's been now, I like totally regret any kind of like, woohoo, like we're going home. <laughs> yeah. What, it's yeah been rough. What's that been like? You said so you expected it to be easier and it sounds like maybe it hasn't been. What have been some of the challenges uh, have the courses been more difficult, less difficult, or is it just really the, the technology making it more difficult or both? For me, I'm very much so I learn by participation. I learn by like going to office hours, getting oh. to know my teachers. And I kind of messed up this semester because I thought we were going back online. So my schedule is Monday 1 to 7 p.m. straight and then Tuesday 7 to 10 p.m. So I made that schedule thinking we are going to be back in person. I only have to do parking for two days, so I don't need to get a parking pass. I can work a full-time job uh, like Tuesday through Friday and get another internship. So I had this whole plan in my head. And then it turned out that we were going to be like staying online. So going for eight hours straight on Zoom with like not even a lunch, like I feel like no normal person can pay attention for that long. Like by yeah. halfway point, like my camera's off. I'm just like, got it professor. Like, okay. Like I'm like yeah. so burnt out by the end of it. So that's where I kind of messed up. It's just like the scheduling and making sure 
like I'm missing out on that like participation aspect because when you're in the classroom you're forced to listen like when I'm at home and the teachers give you the option to have camera on or no camera and every student has their camera off like I'm, I'm not gonna sit at my desk like I'm in my bed cozy with some tea like I'm in total <laughs> comfort mode and it's yeah. not the place to be when you're trying to learn yeah how would you so that's that's great i hadn't really even thought of it i know how i get if i have like back-to-back -back zoom calls and i'm just like zoom fatigue and we talk about being zoombies or living in zoombie land or i've heard all these different terms all, all year now i'm gonna have to say that because it's been eight months so you've got college students now or you've got students that are considering coming to cal state fullerton or just going anywhere at this point i know a lot of universities that are back in person i'm, I'm hearing that they're admissions are spiking, not, not COVID, but their admissions, their number of students is actually spiking. Sorry, I gotta be careful that word spike is a term we use very differently now. <laughs> so many different words that we use differently than we ever did before because they want that in-person experience. But yeah, it sounds like one of the first things you would probably tell a student is don't schedule six straight hours like you would if you're gonna be on campus. Yeah, well, routine, I think, is so important, and I've always been horrible at routine. Like, if you don't force a routine upon me, like, I will sit in bed for 10 hours, and, like, I like to watch Twitch streams and, like, gamers a lot. I like to watch Netflix. Like, I have a lot of, like, lazy hobbies. So if you don't <laughs> force it. me to leave, like, I'm not leaving. So I think it's up to people to decide. Like, I have some friends that are, like, super creative. Like, they want all the free time. So maybe packing all your classes into one or two days is the best option for you so you can keep up routines with other things. But if you know you're someone like me and you're not gonna do something unless someone's like, okay, you need to like come to class twice a week and like listen. Then for me, it's like, I need to have, like I'd rather have one class every single day. So it's just at least for like one or two hours every day, like I'm doing something that's like beneficial because if I don't have class or something, I'm less likely to do homework. Like it almost gets me into the yeah. routine. Like I'm about to jump on Zoom and learn for an hour. Okay, I have two hours beforehand. Maybe let me work on something for this class or like afterwards, like let me do the homework. Or let me take a shower and wash my hair, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like easy. I always... <laughs> Three days in a row, I'm wearing a baseball cap. And it's like, oh great, I got a Zoom call in 45 minutes. I got to actually take a shower and put on other, anything other than my Laker t-shirt or whatever. Yeah, so, so yeah. it's just that idea of like, oh, I'm going to do something for one hour that involves like other people, like really makes a difference. But if you put too much in it, it's like, okay, like I'm not doing it anymore. So sure. it's, I think it, the best option is having like just small blocks, like really frequently throughout the week. Now, I know you mentioned a minute ago that you're not as social. You have two, a couple of really, really close friends, but for you or for those friends or for others around you, how has this impacted the social aspect of being a college student? Now, I know you say you're not the social butterfly out there with 50 friends, but you have those friends and you certainly see it. How, what kind of stories are you hearing or are you witnessing or even experiencing yourself with how, because so much of the college experience, like you said, is the social and just being in the room with people and interacting with people and being able to walk down to the bottom of the lecture hall and talk to a professor, which is a little bit harder to do now. What have you seen that is working either for you or for others in this time frame where things are so different? I think that something that's really helped and like I always tell people just like fake it till you make it like if you just have like an ounce of confidence people are like oh this person's a good speaker like how you like complimented me on being conversationalist like I have so much social anxiety but I just when it's time to like smile and like talk I can just kind of like flip something on. So I think like in Zoom calls and stuff, like just to be like, don't be scared to message somebody and be like, hey, I think you're in another one of my classes. Like, do you know how to do this problem? So that's really helped me. Like I've actually made like more school friends through Zoom University because yeah. everyone's kind of stuck in the same boat. 
the only thing that's lacking is like the hanging out part sure but for me i've never been much of a like oh i'm gonna go like hang out with this person from class i very much like utilize cal state fullerton as a commuter school which i kind of regret at the end of it but i was like okay going to class okay going home yeah but the amount of people I've gotten to know has actually been like a lot more because of Zoom University. <laughs> yeah, and for me personally, I'm that I'm the flip side. I'm the guy that makes friends with everybody, and I'm you know the life of the party. And everywhere I go, I've got I'm surrounded by a lot of people, and that's by choice. But one of the things I've actually really loved through all of this, and I've shared this before on my podcast and in other other conversations with clients and so forth, is that. I may not be mixing and mingling with as many people now as I was eight months ago, but the conversations I'm having are much deeper than they've ever been. Like right now, it's just you and me, there's no phone, there's no people around, there's no distractions. And so I'm having deeper conversations with people. Part of it's podcasts. I'm going to have a deep conversation talking <laughs> to someone one-on-one -on, -one on a screen for an hour. But even just, I've done some social things. We've done wine mixers with a few friends, three or four friends and I have gotten together for coffee or lunch over Zoom. And so, I think you're right. I think that we can, you know, use the opportunity that we have right now to, you know, like you said, you're not going to talk to the, the girl across the lecture hall when you're in class, but if you're all on Zoom, you can just, hey, you know, hey, I have that shirt too, or, you know, hey, what do you, you know, how do you do this problem type of thing? It's great. Yeah, so that's definitely, like, helped a lot, and then Zoom calls too, like, the first, this semester, I've had, like, some friends in all classes, and there's been assigned groups, so it's been okay, but the first semester, like, we didn't have, like, like we had our groups from the beginning of classroom, but like you didn't know, like the transition kind of just threw everyone for like a ride. No one really knew what to do. Everyone was confused. So I literally like every class, there was like 15 of us students that were like on Zoom every day trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. So it was really fun. I was like, oh, I'm like more involved than like I would ever been. How was the transition for your professors? Can you talk about, uh, without calling anybody out, because these are my colleagues. So, you know, I don't want to shame anybody, but I mean, has there been, what have you seen from the really really great transition to the i'm not sure they even still get it anywhere in between on this it's hard i've always been someone like i do my research i'm a researcher like i've always said school just comes down to like memory research and networking so in all aspects of classes like i do research before i take a professor like i know what they like majored in like what their rate my professor is like what their kind of like syllabus will be structured as so i've never like taken a bad professor like i've loved every single awesome. professor i've taken at cal state fullerton so i think the only thing i can say that like was a bad job or like done poorly is so many teachers that i take are so popular because they rely on the human connection with students yeah. And they lecture as if like your friends, like they're just like, ask any question, like anything at all, like not related to this class, like what's going on guys. So when you're not in person, that teaching style just doesn't translate very well because students like won't put their cameras on, they won't participate. I feel like guilty and I like know the professor. So I'm like just yeah. talking the whole time. And you I'm know like, what the professor wants. So you're going to chime in to, to help them. Yeah. yeah. And they're kind of like, okay, anyone else besides Caroline? Like, can you guys <laughs> yeah. like offer something up here? So that's the only thing. Like I haven't had any teachers do like the transition bad. It's just, I think some teaching styles are really difficult to do. Like the best teaching styles for in-person are almost like the worst ones for transitioning because interesting when you're the teacher that like no hates the teachers that do this but i consider it like not the best teachers when you just go and you're reading off the powerpoint and maybe adding like little notes here and there and that's an amazing teacher to have when you're online because you're not you know you're not really missing anything in lectures you can go into that powerpoint at any time and review your work 
but when you have teachers where it's like all their own authentic ideas and like they're really adding a lot of value to the lecture if you miss one lecture like you're kind of out like there's nothing to really go back to even if they record it i feel like the um, relationship isn't the same because you're not really participating in it and when there's only like a handful of students that want to participate you're kind of missing out on that discussion aspect as well that's really great feedback and if you're okay with it i'm going to actually share that with some of my colleagues that are professors at cal state and other universities as well i hadn't really thought about that because you know i i'm very extroverted and i interject humor i don't teach much at cal state i co-teach the family business class i teach some sports management over at uc riverside so i have my students but um i'm very much the, the former, the one that says, hey, if you have any questions about anything in life or sports or anything while we're in class, fire away. And I have noticed that online, those questions aren't coming as much. So yes. I, hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that. That's, that's, uh, I appreciate you teaching me right there. I Student. think what would be helpful too for teachers, like, I, like the classes that people are participating in are the classes that have mandatory cameras. And I'm not saying that mandatory cameras should be a thing, but if you do some sort of incentive, like take away 5% of the participation grade or something like that and add like a 5% bonus if you keep your camera on all semester, anything to like ensure that the students like choose to use their camera. I think it is kind of intrusive when you're like, you have to have it on 24 seven in this class while you're in your home because you don't know like the living environments people are in, but anything that kind of like will get people to have their camera on, see other students' faces, like you can see theirs. It just makes the learning environment better in my opinion. You know, you just gave away your secret a minute ago too, because now in those classes you have where the, the professor just sees your name on the screen, they're probably gonna say, hey Caroline, get off the bed, put the tea down, come back to the computer for a minute. <laughs> now they know you're just like laying back and relaxing, so. They know, I'm like, yeah. that's my one thing I miss. <laughs> I've always was like an office hours person. Like I've always been convinced, like if the teacher knows your face and knows your name, you cannot fail the class. No teacher will fail a student that like goes, like, I mean, unless like you're just not doing the work and then you're showing up like, I didn't do it, help. Yeah. But if you're doing every assignment and that teacher knows your face and name, like there might be a little like boost here or there just to make sure that they like, no one wants anyone to not succeed. Like teachers at Cal State Fullerton, in my opinion, like do everything they can to get their students to pass. I think that's great advice too. And I've told my students the same. And I have some regrets from when I was in college that there were a couple of professors that I got to know really well because it was just a natural personality fit. Most of my professors, like you, I drove to school, went to class, hopped in my car, drove to work, drove home, whatever, and didn't really get to know them. And now that you say that, looking back, I think I probably got a better grade in those classes where I knew the professor. I think that's, that's not rocket science, but it is really, it's brilliant. So advice I'm hearing you say to students is get to know your professors. And even, how do you, so how do you do that now in the Zoom setting? How are you getting to know your professors now? office hours and then like just emailing I guess like emailing random questions like something that's always like helped me in life is like I used to like fight with my parents all the time and I was like so mad I'm like they don't understand anything they're the adults and I kind of switched my frame of mind and started just thinking about everybody like almost like back to the golden rule like that they are me like it they're just normal people like stop thinking about someone like of authority of having like oh, like they have like more power over me or like they're the boss and just think of it as like, this is my friend. Like this is like on a normal level and like how would I want to engage in a conversation? So when I started framing it like that, I wasn't scared to be like, hey professor, how's your day going? I just wanted to jump on Zoom and ask you some questions if you have free time. I think that's really good. And I think that you're realizing what I'm hearing you say is you're realizing that we're all in this together. We're all transitioning. I, I feel for the young moms who 
for the single moms who have kids at home and they still have their job or you know i've got friends who have lost their jobs through this certainly a lot of people we both probably know that have gotten the illness and have gotten sick and it's just you know there's so many things that we didn't think about in march or february that are just part of our everyday life right now but what even would, too like yeah. before sorry to interrupt you no, fine. before that like walking into office hours like i know a lot of friends are like scared to do it and i guess like more so my point is like not to be like scared of any other person like to just think of them as like a friend or as like your same level because i think like even for me sometimes you get that little bit of like oh like they're they can control my grade or like when you're talking to bosses at work and it's like always really helped me to just talk to them as if like how i would want to receive a message or like how a friend would instead of talking to them like oh like i'm like like timidly and it's helped a lot with confidence too like as long as you go in and you're like confident in what you need to talk about and you're not really like scared of putting yourself in that situation like it's really helped me lost some relationships with a lot of professors yeah, that's tough. I appreciate that. What advice would you give to a student that's right now listening to this conversation and de deciding, do I go back to school now? Do I wait until maybe COVID is over so I can go back online or in person? Do I go to a university that's been doing online for years as opposed to you know, Cal State Fullerton, which just started doing this, or what advice would you have for someone like that? Maybe a high school senior, junior, or a, a junior college transfer like you are? It's a really hard question. I'm a finance major, so I always go back to like the risk and return idea. So it's like, if you're gonna go into debt, like if, for example, let's say you're a high school like student and you're picking between, I would say for sure, go to uh, OCC or like some sort of community college. I would say that even before COVID, the, the money sure. is like that you would save is just not like it's, I don't think anyone should go into debt if they have an option to not. So if you right. have the ability to save money by going somewhere cheaper, and in my opinion, like community college was like, I adored it. Like I was one of those people like I'd be at OCC forever if I could. Mm -hmm. If you're already an Orange Coast College, I'm sorry, I keep saying that. If you're a that's community fine. No, that's college. Right. Yeah, I went to Fullerton <laughs> College, you went to OCC, but I spent some time at OCC too, way back in the dark ages. So I, I totally get it and I agree. It's like in my field of reference, OCC is the only community college. I'm like, no, it's just OCC. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. No, so if you're in community college and you're transferring over, I would like tell people to not change their path unless something besides COVID, like something majors like change their path. Like if you had like a family member pass or something like horrific because of COVID, then that's almost a place where I can't give advice because I wouldn't even know right. how to handle that. But if you're, if you're like a lot of students where it's just like you're going through the motions, but everything's online, I would just say like, stay on your path. Like you might do the whole thing online, but there's a reason why you were considering Cal State Fullerton in the first place. And there's obviously some kind of like path or vision in your mind. And I wouldn't let something like COVID like deter where you want to be so much and maybe like ruin other opportunities because I've loved being at Cal State Fullerton, even with online, like a lot of opportunities have presented themselves. So I would just always recommend like kind of follow your gut and like stay true to like where you want to be when you grow up. Yeah, you, you've taken me into a lot of different topics where I'd like to go, but I want to stay here for just a second. Um, what are you learning about Caroline through the last eight months that you hope sticks with you long term? What maybe it's a skill set, maybe it's a personality trait, maybe it's something I'm not even thinking of. Anything that you've picked up on that you just either know you're going to take with you or you hope you will? 
I've definitely that I don't want to take with me is how lazy I am. I've always <laughs> been like, I like if you like, I humble brag, but it's like I have a 4.0. I've worked my way through like every community college, Cal State Fullerton. Like, I've always been a busy bee. And it's like, if you take all of that away, I like, I have no hobbies. I like don't like to cook. I'm takeout queen. Like, I am so lazy. So, like, I it's almost like a good thing I guess but it's like I realized that like when I'm gonna go to like the nine to five world like I'm gonna have to go to the gym in the morning like I'm gonna have to like meal prep a bit like I'm kind of learning the true like adult life that you can't just like like if you're just running around and have like an erratic schedule like yeah like you're fine you're kind of smooth sailing but when you have no schedule at all that's been really rough so Hopefully that's something I will leave in COVID era and I will move forward as a very structured individual. But then I think um, something else is like Zoom public speaking. I think that's the quality that like everyone's learning and people didn't realize that like how important it is because going into careers like I'm going to go into finance which I know we're going to get to in a bit but I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of times where I'm on like conference calls and like there's going to be a zoom platform for it now so it's like the ability to have good lighting like knowing your posture how to present yourself the tone of voice things like that are really really big because you might be like let's say like you're my boss and you're over in New York how I present myself on this call could make a difference between a promotion And if you don't learn the skills of how to be like a Zoom public speaker versus like normally talking in person, it could make or break like the entire thing. So I think that's like a really valuable skill learn. And I think my last one is like learning how to like properly fight with my boyfriend. We've lived together for three years. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) But we've always like, we've like, we're the best of friends. We never fought. So it would be something as small as like clean the dishes. And he's like, you clean the dishes. And it was like the end of the world, like our once a year fight. And like, we just like, it would be like, oh my God, we're breaking up. This is horrid. (laughs) And then like an hour later, we're over it. But now like we can bicker and like playfully do it where there's no more like real fights. Like we never fight about anything anymore. And we learned how to just have little like, like I have like almost like it feels like we're married, like an old married couple now, because Mm -hmm. it's like, I'll be like, do the dishes. He's like, no, you do them. And I'm like, okay, together. And it's like the fight's over versus before it would be like, oh my God, like we couldn't figure out how to just be like a normal relationship. It was like, we're the happiest or we're like fighting once like every blue moon. So that's been really nice. Like we can just like have normal arguments without it being like the end of the world. So you're, you may be a finance major, but you also have some communications in you. So that's where I saw that conversationalist in you when I met you when you were at our Hall of Fame a couple years ago. You've learned the interpersonal communication side, the relationships. You guys sounds like it's my wife and I too. I mean, I, I'm used to travel. I'm used to driving to work every day. We live about an hour away from campus. So I have a commute each way every day. Uh, teach a couple nights a week out in Riverside. So that's gone a lot. I was always, for the most part, home. But now, you know, this is my desk. Right behind me is her desk. You know, she's not in here now because she's homeschooling grandsons. But um, we have definitely, and, and we didn't bicker a whole lot to begin with either. But we've really learned very quickly in this how to how to get along. You know, we got a house of five of us here with my daughter, her boys, my wife and me, a couple of animals. You know, you just start. And I know you have at least one. I saw there behind you a second oh, ago. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, no, I think that's true. I think that we, we are learning that we just have to figure out how to make everything around us a little bit better. Yeah. Um, as you start, you started to touch on it already. So I'll go there now. 
as you were approaching finishing up at Cal State Fullerton, and you're still in that, you're in the, we're in the fall semester now. Are you, are you graduating in December? Yeah. Okay, awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. That's fantastic. Now, did you, I, I thought I told, you told me, maybe I was talking with another student and I'm confusing the two, but I thought you had said you had something else lined up, but then it didn't work out and now you got this, this job or am I confusing you with another story? Um, no, I did lose my job because of COVID. So it could be that that we were talking about. I worked That's at right. Taco Asylum in That's Costa right. Mesa for about four years all throughout college. And that was 18 to 22 for me. Mm -hmm. So those are really like four, like, I don't know, like years that you grow, in yeah. my opinion, like it kind of takes you from that teenager, like moving into like early adulthood type of thing. Um, so they closed due to COVID. And that was really hard for me because yeah. I like always said, like, even if I was working like full time in a corporate job, like at least one day a week, I wanted to shift. Like it was almost like a cathartic thing to do. Yeah. It wasn't like working. It was like hanging out with my friends and my regulars. So that was really hard. But I think of it kind of as like a blessing in disguise because I'm still friends with all of those people. And I think that if I could have stayed there and worked, I wouldn't have pursued like full time corporate work. I would have sure. just been like a server because you make such good money serving. Like I yeah. know there's not really a job growth, but it's really hard to give away like what you can make upwards like a six figure salary if you're working full time uh, yeah. serving and you're going down to like 50 or 60. And, and bringing like, a little cash home every night too with tips and yeah. stuff too. Yeah, not many of us get to bring cash home from work every day. It's insane. So it was like, I, it was a hard thing to leave. Like as soon as I started, people were like, you're entering the black hole and I didn't understand <laughs> it. And then I was like, I refused to get an internship because of it. Like I was oh. just like, okay, I'm not, I'm not gonna like, I, I don't get a job eventually, but like I'm making good money. I'm okay. So I think like, especially since I'm still friends with all the people I worked with, like I do miss like seeing them multiple times a week. But I think it kind of worked out for the better, like personally, just because it like forced me to stop being kind of like comfortable and like go and find a real job per se. Sure. So tell me about your new job. You have a great job lined up. Are, are you interning there now and then you're going to start full time when you graduate? Is that what your, your plan is? So I interned over uh, summer. Okay. So it's supposed to be a 10 week program and then they switched it online over five weeks. And then it was for a company called ACO, which is in Irvine, and they actually do a lot of recruitment through Cal State Fullerton. So if any Cal State Fullerton students are watching this, I really recommend going to one of their information sessions. Um, and it kind of like perfectly aligned, like their culture was very much in tune with uh, what I like, like what I liked about restaurants, where it's like you don't really have like this like crazy like competitiveness at all, but it's still like people are like grinding but then everyone's like there for each other like they're really based on like teamwork and like personal growth for like individuals inside of the company and everyone there was like they kind of have like their own like little groups but they're still like everyone's like friends and like like trying to get everyone to like grow together so I really like that because it reminded me a lot about what I like like about restaurants and what I like about like food service and like having like a smaller place of work so it seemed like they were able to take that like layout and apply it to like a massive business. So that's what really drew me to like this company over others. And my internship experience was awesome with them. So hopefully in the beginning of January, I'll be starting full time. And what will you be doing specifically for them? Uh, so I'm a financial analyst. So cool. we work on a team where you have an account manager, a financial analyst and a client analyst, and then they work to analyze employee benefits. So like a company like, um, Cal State Fullerton, we can just say, like, sure. would hire ACO 
And then ACA would work as a financial advisor for the employees. So I really like that because it's helping people, but you take away like the sales aspect. You're not like cold calling, like, oh, I promise we're going to help you. Like they really truly just help anybody like understand their benefits, which I think is massive because even being like, I was helping my friends at uh, my restaurant, like get on insurance. Like they didn't know that like, um, like Obamacare worked in California, where if you made under a certain amount, like your insurance was free. So like small benefits like that, like people just don't understand them and don't know how they work. So I'm really excited to be like working with a team where your entire like purpose is just to help people like save money and like utilize like, I don't know, free money. You could say like the money that their corporations are going to give to them, like 401ks and stuff. How has your experience at Cal State Fullerton pre and during COVID helped you, do you think, and you may not know the answer for this question until 10 years from now, but (laughs) anticipating going forward, what do you think you're going to take with you the most from whether it's memories, experience, skill sets? I know we've talked about a lot of those already with the Zoom and this technology, but let's just go pre-COVID for a minute because most of your college experience was not in this environment. What did you learn or what do you hope that you take from what you have picked up long-term into your career? Besides not being lazy anymore because you're going to have <laughs> a, a strong schedule now. Uh, an overarching thing is confidence. Yeah. I came, um, like I shared this with you a bit before, but when I was in high school, I actually dropped out and I had like a 1.0 GPA. I did not attend classes. Like I was not, I didn't like school. I had like, I'm not going type of mentality. Like it's pointless, like blah, blah, blah. And then my mom made me promise. She's like, okay, I don't care. Like I got my chest B, which is under like GED if you're under 18. And she's like, I will let you drop out and get this, but you have to swear to me, you'll go to college eventually. I'm like, okay, like fine, whatever you want. Easy promise to make. Eventually I'll go. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Oh, sure. So I go, I'm at OCC, like ready to just kind of be a little like, I'm not doing this. And then someone in one of my first classes ever called me a dumb blonde. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I got Prove you, them wrong. Sir. And so I just like grinded and was like, I'm gonna be a straight A student. I'm gonna set the curve. You're gonna come to me for tutoring. And I like, it was, it was not easy, but it was doable. And I always thought like, oh, nerds getting good grades, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I realized like I could do it. And that carried with me like all throughout. Like I set a goal for myself. And I was like, I wanted to graduate summa cum laude. And that was my goal. And this is one of the first times I think in my life that I set such a long-term goal, like six years, five years in advance, and then accomplished that. And that's really like a good thing on confidence and just like knowing your own abilities. And it's something kind of small. Like I don't even know like, what skill I learned from that, but it was like definitely one of my most memorable things being at Cal State Fullerton is just getting the ability to like set goals for myself and then accomplish those goals. Well, what I heard you just say, and I hope that uh, my listeners heard this as well, I'm 56 years old. I've, you know, I, I'm, I'm sort of on the other side of the tunnel a little bit right now and looking back and what I heard, and it's a massive thing to me, is two things. Number one, the whole dumb blonde thing. To me, you learn that if they tell you you can't do it, you'll show them. And number two, the big thing that I think I heard you just say, and not say, but how interpreted, if you put your mind to something, you're going to kick its butt. You're going to do it. And uh, those are tremendous skills to have. So hang on to those lessons. I don't know if you feel that internally or not, but that's certainly what I heard. Um, You're going to be faced with, and this is where Ed goes into the 
advice period that you didn't just ask for, but you're going to face challenges. You're going to face a lot of people in your career that are going to give you the dumb blonde feel. Maybe not those words, but something will be said along the way where you're going to feel like they're saying you can't do this because dot, dot, dot. And I'm not saying it's going to be the hair. I'm just saying yeah. we're, we're always told by people we can't do something for whatever reason. And so use that as a motivator and just remember that you when you put your mind to this, you did the 4.0, you're kicking butt, you're getting the great grades, you now have this amazing job lined up. So so kudos to you for using the the kind of the, the almost the negative impulse from people to, to push you forward. Yeah, that's what I've always like said, like, I think I've learned it's good when people underestimate you. If someone overestimates you, they're expecting, it's like harder to make mistakes. Like you don't know, like you're going to disappoint them if they overestimate you eventually, like no one's perfect, but if you're underestimated, it gives you all of the leverage to like have no cap about how good you can end up being in their kind of brain. So I've always like, I, because of that, I like purposely kind of play up the like bubbly blonde girl (laughs) type of thing. And then by the end of all my finance classes, I have like a group of like 10 people that are like, okay, like study time, like Caroline lead the group. And I'm like, of course, like, nice. I'm just a silly blonde. So like, I've always like, I, I, I push it up. Like, I think I'll get the dumb blonde thing a few more times purposefully. I like it. And you, and you use that to your advantage. I love it. I can totally read that. That's awesome. You're probably the person that ping, people are pinging you in the Zoom class saying, Caroline, what'd you get for number three? Yeah. <laughs> Curious question, not necessarily for you, but college students in general. I've heard in a lot of the phone calls and Zoom calls that I've had with with faculty and staff over the last eight months, um, how difficult it is to manage the, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not saying that students can cheat, and that's not my point, but how have you seen professors make it so that it is a lot easier to not, you know, hey, we're taking this test, and you, I mean, you can send a private chat or something or a text to somebody and your teacher doesn't know. How has that been managed? How has that been kind of avoided or has it not been avoided? Curious. I, I'm, I know your question is how it's avoided, but I'm kind of going to take a spin on this and say that I think teachers should just let it kind of happen. Make your tests hard, make them hard and tell the students, oh, crazy. You have open books, open notes, open everything. Because when you're in the real world, when do you not have Google calculator, Excel, whatever resource you want so if you take away every resource what are you testing you're testing memory and does memory really like equivalent to any kind of grade i don't think so i think what really should be showed is i give you this like maybe like four complex case problems you have every single resource that you could possibly think of in an hour to do it go do it so maybe you're cheating or maybe you're working with a team which is a really good tool. Like if you go out of your way to find other students, collaborate for this, balance ideas off of each other and then go and get A's and like, it's different ideas. Like you're not pasting each other. And you're teaching the students to collaborate to begin with, which is what, like you said, you're going to be doing in the workforce anyway. Yeah. When I, my, my sports management students at UC Riverside, I, I, I email the final to them the week before it's due and I make it very tough, but I'm more interested in what they think than what they know. Now there are certain classes, a math class, you have to be able to do the equations and do them correctly, finance and so forth. Some of the critical thinking areas, you know, one of my classes I teach is a leadership, a sports leadership. There's not really a whole lot of terms and a whole lot of definitions and a whole lot of things to memorize. It's really just, I I care more about what they think than what they know. And I'm fine with them collaborating with each other because at the end of the day, I'm grading you on your thoughts. 
And so yeah. I just, I emailed him and say, Hey, you have all week to do it. I just, it has to be to me by Monday at five, which is when we start class. That's what like, I just, I think it's like the, the classes that have been my hardest are my classes that are open nook, open book, mm-hmm. <laughs> open note. Like they don't say collaborate, but they say like use whatever you want type of thing. So it's yeah. like, I th- they kind of have to know. And those have been my hardest classes where the students, we don't have time to collaborate. We are spending the whole hour and 15 minutes like going through because the questions aren't like, what is this? It's like X happens, then Y, and then Z and whatever, so forth, so forth explain this and you're like wait what like i remember this one term and i remember this term but how are these four terms like all working together and you have to go and use your resources which is what a real job and like the real world will require of you they're not going to give you something where you're just like i don't know like a minute for each question and it's like what's the definition of this And you're like a b like there's most things you don't need to just like recall like that like it's going to require a lot more critical thinking I just personally think with online school, I agree like math will be kind of hard, but something like finance, like most of our classes aren't math centric. It's like concept centric and like applying math and we use Excel for everything. So like even for finance, like I think that you should have your resources. Like when you're in Excel, like I don't know anyone that's on Excel, either you're a whiz or like you're doing an occasional Google, like how do I set this thing up? Yeah. Yeah. And that's true because a lot of the, um, it sounds like a lot of what you've learned in the last few months in this particular era that we're in are traits that really will prepare you and our college students and our, our young employees going forward for the future more than maybe even what we were doing before. So yeah. blessing in disguise is what I think I'm hearing you say. Yeah. And I think too, like I, I always think of COVID like as a positive light for me personally, because of the fact that I just even have like the privilege to recognize it as a blessing in disguise. Like, I think that I've like really lucked out in the whole situation because I know there's like thousands and thousands of people that like, they don't even, it's not a blessing in disguise for them. Like it's been really, really rough. So I'm just like kind of thankful for like Cal State Fullerton and the resources, like the ability that they gave me to like find my internship, like my relationships that have grown closer because my friends are home and I'm like, my family moved during this period, but like, I still have the ability to go see them. Like they're in Arizona and Vegas now. So like super close still. Yeah. So it's like, I'm still like with my family and I know a lot of students like they're away from home and like, this has been really rough times. So I definitely like have lucked out and like pulled the right cards with everything going on right now. Is there anything, a couple more questions and I'll let you go. Is there anything that you would do differently since you got to Cal State Fullerton pre-COVID, during COVID, anything looking back to thinking, man, and you've touched on a little bit already, but is there anything that you would maybe advice for students coming in or spend 60 seconds recruiting those that are thinking about Cal State or just for Caroline, what, what might you have done differently that if you go back in time, you do over? Clubs, clubs yeah. and like being involved on campus. It might, like I have my other strengths, so like I can kind of like weasel in and network and like figure it out what as I go. But if I had clubs and like the network that is gifted to you when you do go to a large university and I utilize those, I would have had like a way easier, like I would have had a couple of internships by now. Like I would have like had a lot more friends, had more of that college experience. But for me, I was like, I think coming from a close community college and then you're going straight to like a close university it's easy to just get stuck in that commuter cycle and that's something like I think everyone like if you even transfer freshman anything like just join one club and if you hate it then that's fine like you can say clubs aren't for me try another club but 
definitely just like in some aspect get involved in campus because it not only is it like good for your mental like you make friends you get to be connected with the community but also like it's really good for just like personally growing and whatever you want to do like you don't like the amount of people you'll meet and anyone you ask like you don't get jobs like through cold applications anymore you get them through word of mouth so any kind of times you can make connections like that easily which would you do through clubs like go do it like it's so important yeah life's about relationships build those whether it's five deep relationships or 150 that you at least know yeah absolutely and i i echo that 100 percent. getting more involved and but getting involved where your heart is and so that's my second to last question um what what's your passion take take finance out of it take you know you, you you know your great relationship with your boyfriend that's grown a lot during covid and those are all your family those are things that have come up where do you see yourself giving and i don't mean writing checks i mean just giving of your time <laughs> and your talent as you, as you go forward i mean are there foundations or causes or just things that break your heart that you just would really like to put some time and energy into as you go forward it's a hard question. I've always been so bad at this question of like, what's your passion? And it's something that like, I've tried to like ponder with at times. Cause I think that really like fuels where your career path goes. I love like the idea of just like helping people. And I like like grassroots kind of helping. Like, I don't really like the idea of like donating to big charities. Like, I just think that's like, it's almost like an economic theory that I was going over in one of my econ classes. But the idea was that it's like, everyone should want like the worst off person to be doing better because they're closer to being the worst off like person like economically than they are to being like the best off and that's always really stuck with me and it's like moved a lot of my like what i care about it's like i just don't like i believe in like a basis of living and i think that like the like the most worst off like economically should be at a standard that everyone would want like anyone that like you looked out to it's like that's where you'd be comfortable being if like you lost your job and your car and your house and like where would you end up and if that's somewhere you're comfortable being at for a little bit and if it's not then i think that like society as a whole can do a lot more so that's something that's like i'm really passionate about but i haven't really figured out how to turn that into like a workable passion that can truly make a difference? It's a great answer. And I think that another thing, and I'm not gonna ask you this question now because it's not a question that can be answered as a cold question, but I just had a podcast earlier this week with a woman named B. Bocalandro, and she wrote a book called Doing Good at Work. And it's all about social purpose. And we talked about the difference between passion, like you just talked about, and purpose. And if you find a job and you find a life that you can live your passion, you're going to be pretty successful, but you're not going to be like, you know, knocking it out of the park successful. But if you can bring in your purpose into that and figuring out what your purpose is and then tying that in with your passion, that's pretty awesome. And I'm fortunate and blessed that in my job, not only at Cal State Fullerton, but working with family owned businesses all day, every day, getting to do these podcasts. I've not only found this passion that I love doing, but I really feel like my purpose now is to help people share their stories and to help people grow and think about what their purpose is. So as you go forward, you'll, you'll figure out as your, as your time, talent and treasure resources continue to grow, uh, as you find your purpose, I think you're going to, you're going to be tremendous. Well, you've got a tremendous future ahead of you and I'm excited to, to let our listeners and viewers here and see this, this interview. I think you're going to inspire a lot of people not just in this hour that we spent together, but going forward. I know you already have prior to this. So 
I appreciate you taking your time, opening up your heart a little bit with us and, and just sharing, uh, you know, what's worked, what hasn't worked and the advice you've given to students and, and the advice you've given to professors today, I think is, 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 is golden, it's platinum. And I'm going to share that with them too, because I think that's a lot of, um, well, yes, that platinum blonde hair. That's why it's all, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll just hide my name. I don't want my teachers coming for me. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's all right. As long as you, know, you have the job lined up, now that you've admitted that you're lazy, you know, hopefully, yeah. I still got a pass, though. This is the only semester I've been. I'm like, okay, C's get degrees. We can get C's this semester. Like, just I, pull it through. I used that a lot in college, absolutely. So, well, my last question is this question I ask everyone on my podcast. You're actually my 40th guest of the year. And Congrats. so I can't, I can't believe how fast this has gone. So, number 40. And, um, first in my series of interviewing college students, and we're gonna do a lot of these because I've, I've been really inspired by this time with you and, and I'm excited and enthused about our future when I look at someone like you, because I think thank we're you. in pretty good hands, so thank you. But my last question for you, and we've already touched on it a little bit, but I'm gonna put it into a question. Caroline Whitaker, what's in your heart? Sorry, my cat just jumped on my lap. <laughs> nice. I was waiting for that to happen. My Very cat. cool. Your cat's in your heart. There you go. No. Not what's on your lap, what's in your heart. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. No, I'd say as cheesy as it sounds, like just love. Like I think like everyone needs to work on loving each other a bit more, especially with like how tumultuous our times are currently. Like talk to your friends, talk to your neighbors, like check in on people, see how they're doing. And just live like I use my heart as just like treating everybody how I would want to be treating, be treated, but in the truest of the words, not in the like, oh, put yourself in their shoes type of thing, but just genuinely like, okay, it's been a week since I haven't talked to a friend. Like I would probably want to be like talked to, like, let me reach out to this person or like this person seems to be struggling class. Like what would I like want to be doing in that situation? And I think it just makes it easier to like build more relationships. Like the more you're willing to like reach out to people and just with like basic kindness, really. 